Chapter 2 of A Game of Chance by a Self-Made Man This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 2 In which Lewis Jarvis, having failed to get square with Will Summers, decides to even up things with Jesse Fairweather. Superintendent Harper of the Northport Cotton Mills was in his office the morning after the affair mentioned in the previous chapter when Squire Jarvis walked in unannounced. "'Good morning, Mr. Harper,' said the magnate blandly. "'Well, Squire Jarvis, in what way can I be of service to you?' asked the superintendent, wheeling about in his chair. "'I'm sorry that I have to make a serious complaint against one of your employees,' began the nabob somewhat brusquely. "'Indeed. I regret to hear that such is the reason of your visit. Who is a person to whom you refer, and what is the nature of the offense?' "'I will explain, sir. "'My son Lewis happened to be in this neighborhood last evening at half-past five, "'which is the hour the mill shuts down for the day, I believe.' "'The superintendent nodded. "'He stopped to speak to one of the girls. "'Her name is Fairweather, I believe. "'When a boy by the name of Summers, employed in the engine room, "'came up and, laying one of his greasy hands on my son's clean clothes, "'broke up the interview by saying it was time for the girl to go home.' Lewis very properly resented this unwarranted interference, whereupon the Summers boy insulted him in a gross manner. "'I'm sorry to hear you bring such a charge against young Summers, Squire Jarvis. Are you sure there isn't some mistake? Will Summers is the brightest boy in this establishment, and is noted for his gentlemanly conduct.' "'No mistake whatever,' answered the squire positively. "'My son stated the case very fairly to me.' I judged from his manner that he rather underestimated the gravity of the offense, being unwilling, no doubt, to have this aggressor too severely punished, which is to his credit. As a large stockholder in this company, I wish you to understand that I cannot permit my son to be insulted by one of the employees. I therefore request that you will immediately discharge the Summers boy. I will take the matter under consideration, Squire Jarvis politely responded the superintendent. The charge will be investigated. It is only fair that young Summers be given a hearing in his own defense. I will also hear what Miss Fairweather has to say about it. Tell your son to call here at two o'clock this afternoon, and I will listen to his side of the question. If I find that Will Summers has not treated your son fairly, I will see that he is disciplined. I should think, Mr. Harper, that my statement of the case ought to be sufficient said the nabob pompously. My son would not lie to me. He has too much respect for himself and the position he occupies in society to make a charge not founded on fact. I may say that this is not the first time this summer's boy has failed in according my son the respect to which he is entitled. It is a rule of mine never to proceed against any employee without having thoroughly sifted the evidence in the case." As a lawyer, you understand that everyone, no matter how humble his or her position, is entitled to an equal show of justice. Very well, responded the nabob stiffly. I shall expect that you will look into this thing at once. As soon as the Summers boy's offense has been shown to your satisfaction, I look to you to discharge him immediately. Superintendent Harper made no reply to this and the squire, taking his silence in an affirmative sense, rose from the chair, bowed coldly, and left the office. This isn't at all like Will Somers. 
muttered Mr. Harper after he had sent to the engine room for the boy. Young Jarvis has evidently exaggerated the fare to suit his own views. Will presently reported at the superintendent's office, clad in his overalls and jumper, and his bright, manly young face favorably impressed the official whose duty it was to pass on the merits of the alleged difficulty. "'You wish to see me, Mr. Harper?' asked the lad modestly. "'Yes, Will. I regret to say that a charge has been made against you by Squire Jarvis. He has just left.' "'I expected it,' replied the boy cheerfully. "'Lewis Jarvis and I had a run-in last night about closing time, "'and he threatened to tell his father and have me discharged.' "'The superintendent smiled good-naturedly. "'I will hear what you have to say about it,' he said kindly. "'Will at once rehearse the cause of the trouble "'and refer to Jesse Fairweather for corroboration of his story.' "'Mr. Harper nodded, as if he put a good deal of faith in the boy's statement. "'I will send for the lady in the case,' he said genially. You may return to the engine room. Rest assured you will be treated with perfect fairness. Jesse Fairweather was called down from the operating room, and she backed up Will's story with an earnestness that called up a smile to the superintendent's face. I see you have a friendly feeling for Will Summers, he said. I have, she replied without any embarrassment. He has been very kind to Mother and myself, and I'm sure I like him very much. That is all, Miss Fairweather. "'You don't think he'll be discharged for taking my part, do you, sir?' she asked anxiously. "'I don't think you need worry about that,' he replied with a quizzical smile. "'Thank you.' Much against his will, Lewis Jarvis called on the superintendent that afternoon and gave his version of the difficulty. His statement showed so much personal rancor against Will that the brief cross-examination to which he was subjected convinced Mr. Harper that there was no ground on which to proceed against Will in the matter, and accordingly he dismissed the charge, writing a note to Squire Jarvis to that effect. Lewis was very much dissatisfied with the outcome of the affair. Having failed to get square with Will Summers, he now transferred a portion of his enmity to Jesse Fairweather. She's a stuck-up thing for a poor mill-hand, he said to himself with an air of disgust as he was retiring for the night. I'd like to take her down a peg or two. I believe she's stuck on that mechanic, and he acts as if he was gone on her. If I could only manage to get her fired from the factory, to make them both feel sore, and so I could kill two birds with one stone, I know what I'll do. Tessie Rickson is jealous of her. She likes Somers herself. Perhaps I can put something into Tessie's head that'll give her a chance to get that fair-weather girl into trouble. She'll grab at such a scheme in a minute. If it works, it'll be all right. If it doesn't, and Tessie gets into trouble over it, why, that'll be her lookout. In any case, I don't risk anything. I'll see her tomorrow. It'll be a cold day when things don't come my way with which charitable reflection he hopped into bed and was soon asleep. End of chapter 2